We're doing things a bit different this week and next. This will be a part one of two episode series because this conversation naturally progressed into demonstrating how awareness shows up both in pursuing a passion and in creating a thriving business around it. In this first part, we'll focus a bit more on the internal factors where today's guest really breaks it down for us the importance of trusting that inner feeling that's calling at you, taking calculated risks, and not letting others' opinions or expectations sway your vision. We'll talk about how our business will evolve through different seasons of our life and how to remove the pressure when it's time to pivot. So let's dive in to part one. If you're a female entrepreneur who wants to break free from the pressure and experience peace and alignment to live that life you've always envisioned, then this is the show for you. I'm your host, Jamie Milam. All my life, I've been self-reliant with a figure-it-out mentality, starting with being on my own at the age of 15, overcoming drug addiction when I learned I'd become a mom at 19, and rebuilding my life out of a single Rubbermaid storage tote to now running the three businesses I've built. So I'm no stranger to pressure. My figured out mentality created systems that helped, but I still found myself headed to burnout. I learned to listen to myself and apply the most powerful tool I had, my own self-awareness. So I shifted to incorporate my true self and align my strategies accordingly. And now I apply this practice to every area of my life. I'm on a mission to help you develop a practice of self-awareness, to learn to value yourself so you can honor those parts of you in your daily activities and finally live that life you're determined to have. This is Determined AF. Welcome to another episode of Determined AF. I'm your host, Jamie Milam, and something that I love about today's guest is she is truly just an example of someone who took a passion and turned it into a business. And it's not like she was leaving behind some boring aspiration. She was in a pre-med program, trying to decide if she was in alignment with that, and exploring what other interests she might actually have. Well, I'll give you a hint. Shoes and chocolate were in the mix. I mean, can you blame her? She was on the verge of graduating when she attended a college fair, and the main speaker told his story about how he had spent 20 years in medicine just to please his parents and decided to leave it behind to pursue culinary school and chocolatiering. I mean, talk about a sign when she's already debating it, right? Well, that sign was accompanied by a true feeling of alignment that she listened to and found that life was about to get a lot more interesting. So without further ado, please welcome Tina Codina. Tina, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah. Yes, I'm excited to just kind of dive into this because what an exciting start to your journey, which now has been 15 years in the chocolate business, correct? Yes, 15 years from the time that I was in college at that career fair and completely switched gears. And for whatever reason, chocolate just kind of answered when I was thinking, you know, what makes you happy? Chocolate was the answer. Chocolate and shoes. I wore a lot of high heels back in the day. I had no freaking idea what I would do with shoes. But for some reason, chocolate was something really random, but also very exciting to me. And I was like, I was thinking, I always eat chocolate. It always makes me happy. Would this be something? And then I'm hearing the guy at the career fair saying, I'm a chocolatier. I'm like, wait, that's a job. What? So (laughs) that's a job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been, I love that. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Well, can you tell us a bit more about 
that feeling that you had, you know, I just heard you say, hearing this right and how you just kind of knew that it was pointing you in this direction yeah for sure so I should start by saying a little bit about my background I guess so I come from a very traditional Asian family patriarchal uh everything was kind of decided for me already and I didn't really realize it until I was in college so my dad is a doctor my mom was a nurse and so everyone was just assuming that I would, the torch would be passed on to me. And so when I was in college, I was pre-med and I was thinking to myself, okay, yeah, I'm really smart. I can, I can technically do all the courses and everything, but I really, for the first time, didn't feel any inner fire. And I kind of became depressed. I, I never looked in the mirror. And then when I saw pictures of myself afterwards, I was like, oh my God, that's what I looked like when I was not happy. <laughs> like it, it was crazy to me. So I think at that point in my life, I was just so desperately trying to find a purpose. And that's something that I've intuitively always had as a kid. I just always felt like, you know, we're all on this earth to do something great with our lives, to have a deeper meaning. And for me, I just never knew exactly what that was. So when I was exploring this question of, okay, what makes you happy? And the answer was chocolate. And that completely came out of the blue, but didn't make sense. And I heard the speaker and it just started aligning. There's this book that I love, Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist. And he has this quote that says, when you decide what you want, the universe conspires with you, right? And so I was in the midst of reading this book. I was in the midst of watching a bunch of Will Smith motivational videos, basically saying that, you know, when you have a dream, like plan A, there's no plan B and you have to like take that leap and all these things. So I just remember in that moment when I was hearing it, I was like, is this not like a sign to go all in? Is this like the beginning of something? And maybe I should explore that because I always did what I was told, but I never really explored something completely for myself. And so I think that I felt very well nervous because, you know, no guidance, no anything. For one, I was definitely nervous and scared, but I was also super excited because to hear the guy say, you know, 20 years in medicine now a chocolatier, now really, really happy. And then I, I was just thinking for myself, I do not want to waste 20 years of my life to please my parents or whoever, and then switch it. Like I want to have as much happiness in my life now. So when I heard that it was very encouraging, inspiring, and it kind of gave me this, you know, affirmation that you can do it too. And when I heard that, and I started pursuing that, that's when my world started to shift and change and all this good stuff started coming in. So, yeah. Mm. I love that you gave the background. I do think that that's important because something that you just said that I really want to highlight is that you hadn't really explored anything for yourself. Yeah. And so whether that is, you know, for the listeners, whether we are going through the motions because we've been assigned the emotions or because we think we should do it or because that's the model that works for others, what happens is we do tend to go down this path of sometimes 20 years long being yeah. something that wasn't really ours, that wasn't really lighting us up from the inside out. And that's been a part of my journey as well is, you know, it's okay, here are these external circumstances that force us to do the things right head down, go through the motions, and you can be really successful. I'm sure that that speaker 
had had a successful time frame of 20 years in medicine, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily bring fulfillment. And exactly. so I think that that is where this exploration of doing things for yourself helps bring in alignment to a much more fulfilling longer term path, whether that is in entrepreneurship and business for yourself, or no matter what it might be, it may be relationships, it may be just your career in general, right? Um, The other thing that I loved is that you did point out this quote, which I do love this quote as well. And it's when the universe is just aligning with us, right? Things start to come and show up for us. It's like, Hey, you, you wanted to, you know, have clarity on a direction. Like we're trying to throw everything at you, you know, and then pointing out that when you have, when you're so convicted to this plan or or not even the plan, right. When you feel this is the direction for me, this is the plan a, then there is no other plan B. We start to make things happen when we get really clear on what it is that we want to have, or when we, you know, get clear on who we want to be or what we want to do, then the little decisions that we start making really will affect, you know, like they'll put us on that path. Right. And, and I have the privilege of hearing, you know, when we spoke last have hearing a little bit more about your first steps in exploring chocolate. Once you decided, okay, I want to redirect here. And, and I know that you seized the opportunity to ask some pretty big names in the business for advice early on. So would you mind sharing with the audience a bit about your New York experience and how you would come to trust that feeling again and again? Yeah. So uh, the New York experience. So of course, I'm about to graduate culinary school, right? I had completely thrown a curveball to my parents. What? You're like not doing medicine. You're going to culinary school. And so culinary school graduation was coming up and my parents were like, okay, you said you wanted to go to culinary school to become a chocolatier. What's next? So at this stage, compared to the last graduation, I just knew there has to be some path made. There is no door right in front of me. So in my head, I was like, I need to go create a window. That was like my mindset. Like if it's not in front of me, I need to find it because I feel so passionate and called to it as already. So my chef in school, Chef B, who was my first mentor, had told me, you know, maybe explore the East Coast because the East Coast has more chocolate shops. So for my 24th birthday, I went to New York for four days and I reconnected with a family friend of mine who was living there. And she, I said, just show me all the chocolate shops. So we toured a bunch of chocolate shops. And the last one that we walked into was Jacques Therese. Now at the time, I didn't know who Jacques Therese was, admittedly, like I didn't know. I Googled him and I was like, oh my God, this guy's like huge. So to me, being in the city where he was, it just sprung. I need to make some sort of connection because if I'm going to learn how to become a chocolatier, I might as well learn from one of the best and I'm here. So why miss that opportunity? So I literally walked into the shop, walked to the girl at the front counter and asked if he was there. And she looked at me kind of puzzled. Do you have an appointment or does he, is he expecting you? I'm like, no, no. I'm like, I just want to meet Chef Shock. And he wasn't there. Um, so I said, when is he back? She said, he'll be back here at 9am tomorrow. And I was leaving New York the next day as well. So I was like, I was determined. I was like, I'm going to meet this guy before I leave. So I show up the next day, the same girls behind the counter. I asked to meet him. He comes out and he's like, do I know you? Or does my wife know you? I said, no. I said, chef Jacques, I literally stuck out my hand and I say this story all the time, but it's literally like how I got my foot in the door is hi, chef Jacques. My name is Tina Villar and I'm aspiring chocolatier. And I just want to know, how do you become a successful chocolatier? And he was so kind that he took me to sit down for 10 minutes 
And he was basically telling me, you know, have a five-year plan, always work for the best. And then at the end of our conversation, he said, where do you live? And I said, California. He said, oh, that's too bad because if you lived in New York, maybe I could help you out. And then he took off his business card, wrote down his number and gave it to me. And I said, thank you so much. But as he was giving me his business card, to me, it's like I had just won the golden ticket, like in Willy Wonka. I was like, he just gave me his freaking phone number and said, if I need his help to call him, like I took it literally, you know, people might've been like, oh, he's just being nice. I was like, I took this literally. I went back home to LA. My mom was picking me up at the airport. And I said, mom, I think I'm going to be moving to New York. My mom's like, what are you talking about? That's freaking crazy. And I told him like, I met Chef Shock. He said, if I need help to call him, da, 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 all these things. And of course it was this back and forth of, again, my parents were like, you can't move to New York. Like, do you actually have a job? I'm like, no, but he said, if I call him, then I might da, 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 all these things. And so I called the number and I don't hear anything. He says, you know, forward to my pastry chef. So I'm calling the pastry chef. I'm not hearing anything. I'm emailing, I'm calling, I'm emailing to say, I called you. I'm calling to say, I emailed you. I'm nothing. So at this point I'm like, I feel like I have this opportunity for something to happen, but nothing's really happening. And then going back to the Paolo Coelho book, you know, they talk about when you get to what you want, you're going to be tested. So it's just a matter of persevering on how much do you want it, right? And I didn't have any other options. So I went to Chef B, my first mentor. I told him, I'm like, Chef B, I met Chef Shock. It's been two weeks now of me emailing, calling, no reciprocation whatsoever. And Chef B just looked at me and I remember him saying, he's like, do you think they're really going to take you seriously? A girl applying all the way in California when there's probably like dozens applying in New York City. And I, I, I didn't even occur to me. I'm like, I didn't even think of that of it like that. And Chef B was like, if I were you, he's like, I would just fly to New York, show up with your tool bag in hand and be like, I'm here. Does that change anything? And when I heard the idea, I was like, that is so freaking ballsy chef B I'm like that might work so <laughs> go back to my parents and be like I'm gonna fly to New York and just show up you know and my parents were like our daughter has freaking lost her mind like what is she doing and I kept telling my mom because my parents are very much like you know you need a safe plan you need security you need something like set for you first and so my parents logic was you don't move to New York unless they actually offer you a job my logic was if I don't move to New York, I may never have a job. So I told them, give me six months to try and make something happen. I was sleeping on my friend's couch. I showed up um, to New York, just like my chef said, to find out they don't have a job opening, but they have an internship, which means I would be working for free. So once again, I had moved there with all this gusto and I was like, I'm going to have a job. And now I'm finding out I'm not going to get paid. And it's one of the most expensive cities ever. And I'm sleeping on the couch and I'm waitressing at night at a sushi restaurant. And I was, it was very, very hard. And it was the first time I was living really far away from my family. But at the same time, I kept thinking, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And this is all just a test. Like that's, that's all I kept telling myself. This is just a freaking test. So after a month of working for free, they offered me a paid position and that job then opened the doors to all these other opportunities down the road for me. So, mm, mm, mm. ah, so many things in here, Tina. Where do I start? I just love this story so much because there's a couple of things. Like, I I think that 
you know, I mean, talk about tenacity. I just love it. Um, because I, I do say this often since I've been in sales for over a decade, you know, it's not a no forever. It's just a no, not right, right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that tenacity, but when you also combine that with that feeling of this feels like something I really want to pursue, you know, I, I can relate to, um, when we were moving to the Charlotte area, Uh, We came to explore it. We had visited another city before and we came to explore it. We were here for uh, the time between Christmas and New Year's Eve. And in that time frame, we fell in love with the city. So we started to look at rental properties. And then it was like, oh gosh, well, if we were going to do this, then how are we going to move our jobs? You know, we were not remote positions. One of my sales positions at the time was uh, in a jewelry store. And so I walked into the most prominent jewelry store in Charlotte and walked in and said, hi, I'd like to speak with the manager about any positions available. And I ended up getting the assistant manager, got an interview on the spot. He wanted to fly me back out because he had such interest and sit down with me to bring in the other manager at the same time. And uh, because I told him I would be gone by the time that manager was coming back. And so they did, they flew me out and I had a job that was lined up for me. I mean, we were in Charlotte within 30 days. I mean, we didn't even have, I didn't have the job, neither did my husband. I, we didn't have our app. We put in an application for a rental before we left. We didn't know about if, if we were getting approved for it, we went back home and I started purging the house. I said, if we're going to think like we're moving, then we need to act like we're moving. So I just started purging the house and started packing it up come to find out, you know, flew back, got the job, got the rental. Um, My husband ended up getting interviews lined up for a job and we were here within 30 days. And now I will tell you that I ended up quitting that job the first day I ended up working it. It ended up not being in alignment with any of, you know, my own values. Um, And I, I felt that very strongly. However, we were so, you know, clued in on, we want to be in Charlotte, that we were willing to do whatever it took to make that happen. Right. And so I, that's why I love this story of tenacity, because, you know, it, it, it tells us that when something really calls at you, you're going to do whatever it takes, right? You figure it out. And trust me, I, I am a planner. And so, you know, resonating with your, your parents, of course, you know, we would want this for our kids. It's, you know, we want you to think logically, like, what's the plan? What are you going to do? And, and here's what I want to point out for the listeners is it's not that you just went without a plan, right? Yeah. You just didn't have the long-term plan. You knew yeah. that you had a friend. Okay. So we're going to take it step by step. I'm going to go and stay with my friend until I can, you know, figure out what's next, you mm-hmm. know, and at the end of the day, it's each little thing. When you trusted that feeling, then it was a figure it out mentality, right? And and you can have one without the other. You can have the figure it out mentality. You know, you can put in a plan and both of those things will lead to a version of success. Mm-hmm. You can also just trust this feeling that this is the right thing. And that might lead to a version of success, but without integrating the feeling and this figuring it out and then putting a plan and a structure in place that will help gain that momentum. Like that's where that beautiful, like magical marriage is for the recipe of success. Right. But I I love that you pursued something that you felt. And then it was that figuring it out mentality that helped you really start to gain that traction and open up the doors for opportunities. And so 
I love this, right? You just, you kept on and you had these other opportunities, you seized them and you eventually launched your own thing. So can you tell me a little bit about those first steps that you took when it came to launching something for your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, so I have a company now, Kudinia Chocolate. I run with my husband. We launched it during the pandemic. Before that, I had a side chocolate business that actually failed. I had it for eight years. And as I was listening to you talk about, you know, the figuring out and the feeling, I think that's something uh, maybe your listeners will resonate with is that, you know, I feel we're always constantly evolving, always trying to become a better version of ourselves. And some of us lean into it more strongly, or some of us want to play it safe. And I've always realized that for me, I've always had this mentality of, I don't ever want to look back on my life and wonder what if. And I think that's always giving me the courage to kind of do the crazy thing or like take the extra step or do all the things, whatever. So when it came to launching my own, I'll just say when I had the side business, there's a key reason why my side business didn't work out, even though it was centered around chocolate and everything I loved. And I was exploring that passion. And there's a reason why Kudina Chocolate today really took off. And I'll share that now. So a key part that I feel in this whole figuring out also having this feeling is that you as a person, as you evolve, as you go through life experiences, as you meet others who might maybe be putting their opinions on you or their own experiences on you, might kind of sway your version of your vision and say, don't do that, that won't work. Or are you sure about that? And even as strong-willed as you might feel, it can maybe start to like mess with your head a little bit. I feel, especially as you get older, you know, us as women are like, oh, well, you're going to be married, you're going to have kids and all this type of stuff. Like, is that the smartest plan for you? Whatever. So I knew that with the side business, I started it. I didn't have any business knowledge whatsoever. I had chocolate down. Like I knew how to do chocolate and all those things, but I didn't a hundred percent trust myself fully for it to succeed the way that I want it to succeed. Like, it's clear I have a chocolate passion. I will do whatever I can to learn chocolate, to learn from the best, all those things. But 100% trusting myself fully, I didn't have that. And I only realized that now later with Kodina Chocolate, because when Kodina Chocolate came out, it's very much a representation of not just myself, but my husband as well. Our story is integrated in like all our products and how we show up just on social media or in person. Like there's a different sense of confidence because- I feel like I had to really hunker down and understand, okay, if I'm being very, very serious about my dreams, about my business, I need to be secure within myself, regardless of the outcome. If this dream fails or whatever, like I need that secured a hundred percent. I had a little bit of it, but I realized that, you know, again, with Tudina Chocolate, it needed to be imprinted in my brain. So, so strong. You can do this, whether it works out or not, you're doing it for, you know, you're exploring that option and just trust that, trust that a hundred percent. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's why I started cooking chocolate because I, I personally feel like I evolved more as a person over the last 15 years. Well, I, here's the thing is I want to break this down because I love it in the sense that first of all, the honesty and the transparency that, you know, you started doing something in chocolate on your own as a side business, right? And in that process, you you are so, so right. 
as we go through different seasons and as we evolve and we grow and we do still embrace these opportunities to work in and around others who have found success doing the thing that we're doing, right? Or that we want to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. What happens is we see their version of success as a, as a model. And sometimes we see it as the only model. Oh, well, if in order for us to have success of the same sort, we have to do it that way. And then they have, like you said, they have their opinions. They have their influences that they start to pour in. They start to tell you what you can or you shouldn't do. Um, and they start to sway you. And, and what I want to point out with that is that it starts to give this should aspect that we start to shame and therefore distrust our initial vision. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then we start to really distance ourselves from that peak thing that really ignited us in the first place to want to dive into this. And when we start that idea of I want to do this side hustle, which is a smart move, you guys, it doesn't necessarily mean that every single time we dive full force head in. Right. It's it was a good practice for Tina to be able to a recognize like what what wasn't I doing initially that contributed to the, the lack of success that she truly wanted in the side hustle? So it allowed her an opportunity to reflect on those things. And that could be very tangible business practices and also that internal work, right? Because, you know, as you do go through these different seasons and you mentioned, you know, as women, especially like, is this the smart thing? You know, like, well, we're going to get married and, and what is this going to provide us, you know, as a family, you know, what if I fail? And then it becomes like, well, we have to have kids. So we need to have this security and the stability. We start to distrust our own ability that mm -hmm. we can actually make this happen. And, and I love that you point out that you just didn't really trust yourself as much as you had hoped, you know, in the beginning, but again, like, let's honor the fact that you took those things and you reflected on them. And, and, and I know that, you know, from our past conversations that like, you did have some things that you learned about the actual, you know, systems and structure to running a business that has also now helped you do it a lot more successfully. But, you know, I, I'm curious though, you know, especially now that you guys have shifted into doing this full force, incorporating your story, your brand, doing it your way, trusting that, right? Do you feel like you've continued to incorporate that feeling of, of knowing, you know, throughout the, the season of your business? When I say the season, I mean the launch, right? Trusting the launch and then hiring the people to help you, Um how have you continued to check in for that feeling of trust and for that feeling of alignment? I love, I love this question. Uh, so yeah, I am very much someone who, once I started doing the inner work, I realized this is not just a one time, okay, I figured myself out, it's done. So as much as I can, usually every day I'm journaling, getting the feelings out, reaffirming positive self-talk to yourself, right? I choose to listen to positive podcasts. Um, I've invested in business coaching in all areas that I feel like will help me to get to where I want to go. I'm going to go out and learn it. In terms of that feeling of trusting, uh, yeah, we have these conversations because our little one is young and, you know, we've, our business has grown. So we're more busy working and we're trying to figure out, okay, are we shifting the business or things like that? And again, I feel like every time that you reach a stage in your business, in life, when you're trying to grow or do something, 
you're going to be hit back with that old limiting belief of like, what are you thinking? Can you really do this? And even though you've addressed it in the past, maybe it, it rears its head around again, because it's just, you've been conditioned to believe something and you're trying to completely reprogram your brain to say, I don't adhere to this. I believe this is different for my life, you know, type of feeling. So my husband and I literally have conversations. And what I love is that we openly support each other on terms of, okay, what do we want for the business? What do you want for your own career? Because he was a huge pastry chef before. What do we see for our family? What's the best course of action? So it's more calculated risk is what I would say. Before, when I was single on my own, whatever it takes, I'm doing it, (laughs) you know? But now that there's other people involved, it's like, okay, what's the best course of action that's going to bring us what we want? but also best for our family. And that's how I think. And that's what we trust. And we discuss it and we kind of like reverse engineer. If we want to be here with our business, if we want to, you know, reach a certain goal, have this type of impact, expand the business in this way, what are the things we need to do? At the same time, I'm very, very aware because, you know, my daughter's four years old now. And I swear, like she, I I was like, you were just a baby. Like it's blowing my mind how fast she's grown. And so for me, there's this other part that's, I really want to be as present with her and I don't want work to consume the majority of my life either. So shifting that way and just trusting that whatever it is that I originally thought, you know, when you reflect back and you see things that happened for yourself before, you're like, okay, I did those things. So I just have to learn to trust again, no matter whatever I dream will happen again and just remove the pressure of like in this timeline in this amount, because that's the thing that messes with people. You want the success, you want this, you want that, you want it now, you want it like this year, you want, you know, it's like, dude, like you have the whole life to draw it out, to, to go through these experiences, to feel, you know, what you need to feel. There's things that you don't know. Just like, I didn't know things about business with my side business. It failed, you know, like I can say that, like, I'm not saying that to be like joking, but you didn't go into what I wanted to be. So you take the risk and you you look at your your life and what areas you need to improve and you say okay I'm going to take these steps to better myself and trust that you know the timing will work out when it's supposed to and we lean into that and that's just always what it's been like uh, we on our conversation we both recently said like we made some big investments for ourselves and when you said that I was like me too I did like scares the crap out of me at times but at the same time you know it was so funny I. I I would tell my husband, like, did I do the right thing? Like, it's just freaking me out a little bit because it's like such a huge investment. He's like, you know why I'm not freaking out? He's like, because I know you're going to make the investment work it, worth it because you always do that. Like, you will be that type of person who will just put in the work and make it worth it. So he's like, so just don't stress out. He's like, just chill, you know, do what you need to do and trust it and let that be it. And so I think it's just that constant inner dialogue that we have to tell ourselves again, like, trust, trust what you feel, trust what you see and believe it. Like no matter what anyone else is telling you, no matter if someone else tried it and failed, like, like that's not you, you know, like just really mm-hmm. feel it. Okay, guys, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, this is a two-part series with Tina. So we're going to press pause on this great conversation and pick back up next week as she naturally transitions into sharing what important elements she was missing that factor into treating her business like an actual business to create the success she sees today and how to continue to stay tuned into that feeling that started it all. So join us again next week as we pick it back up.